It's because you're sick, Candace. Um, so this morning, if you'll turn to 1 Thessalonians 2.13, I want to think for, for, for just a few minutes here about like ourselves as a job site. Um, think about ourselves. We're going we're gonna to kind of think about ourselves as a job site. Yeah, I've been working on a video for like defining moments, right? There's, there's moments that we have in our life that kind of, that kind of define us. And, and that's not what I'm talking about today. But as I was looking into that, as I was, as I was reading and, and just studying and meditating about that, I came to 1 Thessalonians in 2.13, just really, it really stuck out to me. Because this is what really prepares us for the defining moments that I, that I was looking into. It says this. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And I just started thinking about, like, what is that work in my life. You know, David was approaching the day that he would have to stand before Goliath. What was working in David's life leading him up to that moment? Right? Um, there's a day that, that we are going to have in our future where we stand at a crossroad and what has prepared us, what's been working in me to prepare me for that moment. Um, we know, like Paul says there, that in you believers, the word of God is at work in you. Uh, but we also know that the enemy is at work, right? All we have to do is read the news for about 10 minutes to realize the enemy is at work. And in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul said that he's not ignorant of Satan's design. He's not ignorant of what Satan's doing. Like, like I'm studying my opponent's tactics so that I can better be prepared to stand against them. And the interesting thing is, is that to study the enemy's tactics, I don't have to study the enemy. All I have to do is let God work in me. And I begin to know because I begin to see my own, feet, my own weaknesses, my own um, shortcomings. And then I begin to understand how the enemy works. And I can become more watchful in my life for those places that I know he's going to try to get me, right? Um, John 10.10 10 reminds us, Jesus says that the enemy comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Pastor Adam was talking about some of the attacks they had you know, while they were on the mission trip. And sometimes we can think about it and we can just be like, like, think about it very carnally. Like, oh, we got a flat tire. You know, maybe you've heard somebody say like, oh, the enemy's after me today. Oh, what happened? Oh, I overslept and my coffee wasn't right. And, and it's like, the enemy has the same eternal purpose that God has, although opposite, right? Like, he has an eternal purpose for my life. It's to destroy me. It's to utterly kill me and destroy me. Oftentimes we look at the enemy as like, you know, this, this, this forked tongue guy in red tights. And it's not it, right? Like he comes disguised as an angel of light. He comes for the things and, he, and he's like, you know, Isaiah has something to say about those who would call good evil and evil good. This is the enemy working in my life, right? Um, we've talked about this before, just in little side notes. And I was talking to a gentleman yesterday evening that the enemy, like, like everybody that thinks the enemy's goal is to just like close churches. No, he actually wants to use the idea of religion 
in order to, to capture Christians in, in wrong thoughts towards God. Right? This is what we see in, in, many part, in former Soviet countries. While they were very atheist, there was still a state religion that was allowed. In China, there's a state church, and then there's an underground church. The enemy is using that state church very well. And if we know those tactics and we know that the enemy's goal is to, is to still kill and destroy, um, then we can be better prepared. 1 Peter 5.8 is a scripture where, where Peter's saying, like, the enemy is like a roaring lion. He's like, and I've heard people say, you know, he's like. He's not a lion. Jesus is a lion. He's, he's like a lion. But, but when you think about what a lion will do, and many big cats, right, they stalk their prey. They don't go after the biggest wildebeest in the herd. They go after the one that's weak, the one that's vulnerable. And sometimes they'll stalk a herd for days, just waiting for that right moment to attack. The enemy never stops stalking us. He's at work in our life. Um, Psalm 714 says that, 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 like, that man can be pregnant with mischief. The evil man is pregnant with mischief. The enemy's planting seeds, right? We plant seeds for the gospel, and the enemy's planting seeds of defeat. The enemy's planting seeds of, 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 um, of deception and unfaithfulness. He plants those seeds in our life. And, and a lot of times I think we don't even realize they've been planted there. We don't realize what's actually working in our life. We can just, we can so easily like take these things lightly. You know, oh, it's just a movie. It's just a song. It's just, a, it's just an innocent kiss. And we don't realize that the enemy's planting these seeds and the trajectory for that will pay dividends for him. And so scripture tells us that what we allow to work in our soul, what we allow to work in our life, begins to produce fruit. Right? It begins to produce fruit. Um, Romans 6 says this. He says in verse 12, he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal, mo- in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Don't let, the, don't let the mortality of sin reign in your body. Don't let that sin work in your life. Don't let your, don't let your body be a job site for sin. Um, he goes on to say in verse 16, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? I don't want my, I don't want the world, I don't want the enemy, I don't want the innocence of, 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 of um, you know, this bubblegum lollipop innocent evil that we have in the world. I don't want it working in my life. I don't want to submit myself to that. Um, you know, we've had, we've had people like kind of look down on, on us as, as radical because like we just want to devote our lives to God and like, well, come on, you know, we got to have fun in life too. Like, what's wrong with going out and having a, little, having a little fun? I think the Bible tells us a lot. There's a lot wrong with, with, with that. Um, but Mark 7, 21, Jesus says that what's in our heart will produce. Because what's in the heart of man is what, is what comes out of him. Uh, Galatians 5, 19 through 22 talks about the fruit. The fruit of the flesh or the, or the product of what comes from our flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And these are all results of what we allow to work in our life. First um, Thessalonians 5.22 tells us to reject every kind of evil. Reject every kind of evil. 
Romans uh, six twelve. We already said, let not sin or yeah, let not sin reign in your life. Romans twelve twenty twenty one encourages us not to become not to be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. We have all of these exhortations throughout Scripture that's really pointing us to the to this one thing, and that is to let God work in your life, and don't let the world work in your life. You have like like we have the right to grant access to something. Right? We have that right, we have that responsibility to grant access to something or not. I'm not talking about, you know, like, like, like uh, where Paul says, you know, the thing I didn't want to do, I do, and the thing I hate, that thing I still do. And, and he's going through this paradox and this struggle in his flesh. I'm talking about, like, I actually have a choice to watch that. I actually have a choice to, 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 to listen and let certain things into my life. And, you know, so, so you go through, the, you know, as I was reading through this, I started thinking, like, how can I do that? How can I not let sin reign in my life? How can I not, how can I submit myself as obedient slave to goodness rather than evil? How do we cut off the works of the flesh? And, again, it's, it, it's having that ability to let things into our life. Um, we have real choices, we have real choices that we make every single day. We can choose to do good. Or we can choose to do evil. What we cannot do is we cannot choose to force God to work in our life. Does that make sense? I can't force God to work in my life. I can read this book over and over and over again, and I know people that have, but they're not regenerated. And so all they're doing is they're reading a great piece of literature. But their life is not altered. Their life is not changed because... Because they have not been born of the Spirit. And we'll, I'll have something to say about that in a minute. But the Word of God has got to have full access to my life. Right? I cannot, like, restrict God from any part of my life. I can't say, like, God, you can have all of this, but this stuff over here I'm going to reserve for myself. And I'll deal with that later. Right? Like, like I'll deal with these sin later. I'll deal with this with this thought process later, I'm only going to give you this part of me right now. I have to give the word of God complete and full access to my life. And he, God, has to have liberty to do whatever he chooses in my life. Right? Like, like we can really fight against, against the purpose of God. Um, I love in, in the book of Acts that the council of Gamaliel is like, hey, let these guys go. Because you remember this guy and this guy and how like they got a following and then it died down. But you don't want to find yourself. You could find yourself fighting against God. And we can like find ourselves fighting against God in our life because we're just, we don't let his word into certain parts of our heart. We just kind of hold it back. And Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is, is a double edged, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it cuts to the bone and the marrow. And I've got to give God access to my life to perform the necessary surgeries in me that need to be performed to cut certain things out of me. It's not that I'm doing something. It's that I'm submitting myself to allow the word of God to do it in me. Right? I'm allowing him to work in my life. And if I don't do that, if I maintain, like if I, if I stand my ground and I'm stubborn and I'm proud and I just say, I'm not going to let you have this part of my life, God then I stand the risk of like walking away like the rich young ruler in the gospel, walking away and he was disheartened, right? He was like extremely discouraged and grieved because he couldn't gain access 
to, to like the fullness of God because he wasn't willing to give the fullness of himself to God. And the second thing is, is his work is me, in me is meant to equip me for his will. This is a tough one, especially for, for like us as maybe Americans. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it goes around the world. But like, you know, I'm a self-made man, this mentality of like pull myself up by my bootstraps. You know, I've got purpose. I've got, I've got will. I'm going to do this. This is the plan I have, and I want to do it. But this is what Hebrews 13 says. In verse 20 and 21, he says this, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's working in us, not so that I get like my purposes better lined out, but that, so that I crucify my purposes and I submit to his. I submit to his will. The greatest like, like place in Jesus' life is not when he's casting out demons, but when he's on his knees in the garden and he says, not my will, but yours, because that, uh, 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 I've read before, like that is the time where Jesus held the full weight of temptation. And you can't hold the full weight of that temptation and that in that um, responsibility that Jesus had unless you go through it. The moment we surrender to our flesh is the moment we stopped lifting that weight, right? The moment we stopped holding that weight, Jesus never let it go. He agonized over it and he held it up and he submitted not to his own will, but to the will of God. Or not to the will of the flesh, but to the will of God. You know, uh, Candace bought me for my birthday, she bought me a gift card so that I can buy books because... With me driving, you know, like 18 hours a week, I'm burning through audio books. And she's like, you know, oh, my gosh, like how much are these books, right? And so she bought me a gift card. She's like, hey, this is your budget for the next 12 months to buy your audio books. And so I'm looking for all the 90 now I'm playing. Um, but as I'm scrolling through the bookstore, like there is a nauseating amount of books, Christian books, with the purpose of making me more aware of me. Like, my best version of me, my best self, right? Like, and I'm not going to say the name of the book. There's one that's, like, probably the most well-known. But there's so many, right? Like, man evolved, woman evolved, and, like, you need to know who you are. And, and they mask it with, like, this really good thing. Like, but, but if you know who you are, then you can really know the will of God. No, if I know the will of God, then I can, like Paul in, in Acts 20, 24, say, I, my life is no value or precious. I'm nothing, Philippians 3, or Colossians 3, 3 says that I have died, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I want me, Billy, to remain dead and hidden with Christ and him to be glorified. I want his will. I want his purpose. The work of God in my life, I want it to be about making him known and him glorified, not me. Not me, and that's a hard thing. That takes the work of God in our life to crucify us. It takes that. We have to allow the word of God to work in us. And then the other thing that I have to understand about the work of God, about the work of this book, about the work of the word of God in my life is this. It's not finished. It's not finished. We talk a lot. We say a lot. The finished work. But the finished work doesn't mean I'm a finished product. Right? Like God is still working in my life and I'm still submitting myself to God to give him access 
to those places in my heart, in my soul that need to be cut out. Philippians 1.6 says this, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, Pastor Adam said this morning, he's talking about Peter, like I've reminded you, and I'm going to continue to remind you. As long as I am like in this body, I'm going to continue to remind you. And I was thinking as he's saying that, like, because when he leaves this body, when he's made perfect, you know, like, I just think we're going to be so enamored with like God and the glory of Jesus that I'm not even going to be able to think back at like all the heartache that's on this world. Um, We were talking a couple weeks ago. And Pastor Chris brought up something that Robert said about like the angel saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The earth is full of his glory. And because they're looking from a different perspective than what we look, right? Like he's in, and I'll let Robert share that another time. But like they see a different perspective because now they are in the presence and they're looking through the glory of God. And so when I get there, the work will be completed. But as long as I'm here, God is still working in me and I still have to give him access to every part of me, to every, to every section of my life, to my child, to my wife, to my job, like all of these things have to be submitted at the cross. Everything has to be brought to the cross and left there. The best I do and the worst I do. And just a few things, you know, before I wrap up, is like some, some really just, just practical points that I was thinking about as I was kind of going through this and, and praying about this is one, like this really, one thing we have to understand is that this isn't something we do like in the flesh. Again, reading this book does alone without being rejuvenated, without being um, reborn, doesn't do me a lot of good. And and really it can actually be dangerous because that can become convinced that I need to do certain things in order to gain access to a higher position with God. When in reality, what Jesus says in John 3, 6, he says, the things... You know, those things that are born of the flesh are flesh. Those things that are born of the spirit are spirit. If I want God to do a work in me, I have to understand that he does that work in me by the spirit. And I have to be born of the spirit. I have to understand that this book, this word that's working in me, it's instructing me. Like Pastor Adam said, it's, you know, the rebuke of a friend. Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves. I now call you my friend. And he rebukes me. Paul says, Romans 7, 7, Paul says, I wouldn't even know what it is to covet if the law hadn't told me don't do this. If the law didn't say do not covet, how would I possibly know what it is to covet, right? Um, 2 Peter three eighteen tells us to grow in grace. How do we do that? How do we grow in grace? It's not something, you know, you grow muscle. If you guys need to grow muscle, Bobby's our in-house consultant. You grow muscle by, by working out, right? You grow muscle by, by doing something. You grow in grace, not by doing, but by submitting, by letting God work in you through his word. You begin to grow in grace. You know, I love that David spent so much time in the book of Psalms talking about the words of God, the words of God. Uh, Psalm 119, 105, it says that your word is a lamp to my feet. Um, same Psalm 172 and, and kind of like three verses before and three verses after. He's just talking about like, I'll sing, I'll praise the working of your words. I'll rejoice in your words. Like what God is speaking sometimes is hard, but I can rejoice knowing that, that, that that's, that, that's that like the wound of a friend, right? Like he, he's, 
He may wound me in order that he can, like, make me stronger. Um, the Bible calls God a, a vine dresser. Yeah, I remember um, at our last house, we planted some, some myrtle trees in the back. And, like, the first two years, these things, they just would not grow. They wouldn't, they wouldn't produce flowers. They wouldn't grow. And it was frustrating. And so, like, I read about them, like, okay, apparently you have to, like, cut these things back, like, really hard. You have to be really aggressive with how you prune a myrtle in order for it to really grow. And Candace fought me. She's like, no, you're going to, you know, I bought these so that because of the size, and now you want to cut them back. And then I did it. I don't remember if I did it, like, defiantly or if she finally gave me permission, but... I did it, and then that next spring, like, the, the amount of growth was explosive. The amount of color was, like, astonishing. And when we let the Word of God work in us, even those times where it's like, no, look how far I've come, and God's like, I need to cut you back a little bit, the reason He does that is so that you can produce more. When He prunes that branch, it's so that it'll produce more. And I have to let that happen in me. You know, James 2.19 says, like, you know God, you do well. You, you know that God is one, you do well. The devil does too. Again, like, like, it's not just knowing that there's a God. It's not just knowing that God is out there. It's not this, like, gnosko about what or who um, God is. It's really like having this living and breathing relationship with him where I can say, like, God, do your work in me. And, 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 and I do, and then, you know, he does, and it, sometimes it hurts, and sometimes it's humbling. Most of the time, for me, it's, like, really humbling, and um, I can't think of the, the, uh, the address right now, but, the, you know, the verse that says, like, uh, be careful when you think you stand, lest you fall, right? And this is, like, so every time I think I'm finally doing something, and I submit myself to the Word of God and the work of God in my life, I find myself... Once again, being humble, and like really, that's the best place I can be. The best place I can be is not like, not like standing up in front of you know thousands of people, but really like on my knees before God. What made like great men of the Bible, great men of the Bible, wasn't like it wasn't David's like time on the battlefield that made him great. It was his time on his knees before God that made him a man after God's own heart. It wasn't all the enemies that he killed, but all the time he spent submitting to the word of God that made him who he was. And then 2 Corinthians 6.14 says this, we cannot be, it says you cannot be unequal, do not be unequally yoked to the world. And I would say this, like we cannot be yoked to the world. Like if we're yoked to the world, we're unequally yoked. Being yoked to the world is unequal. You know, if you've ever seen, like, like, a, like, a dual horse carriage, you can't, like, if one horse is really strong and one horse is sick, that horse has to be taken off that line. It cannot be yoked with a healthy horse. Otherwise, this dead horse is actually going to slow this one, or not dead, but this sick horse will actually slow this one down, and it'll pull at an awkward angle, and it can't, it can't like, move forward. It can't progress the way it needs to progress. And this is the same thing that happens to us whenever we try to, like, let things of the world begin to work in our life. Whenever I start to, like, let those things, whether consciously or subconsciously, I begin to let those things work in my life. I give them access to my family. I'm unequally yoked. 
And as hard as I try to pull, you know, my family, leading them in God, there's always going to be this weight that's trying to hold me back. I was talking to somebody the other day um, about schools. Uh, they were telling me about the school board meeting they went to and just how, like, violent and, and just crazy it was. And, like, between the parents and the school board and teachers and, like, all this chaos that's going on. And, and I just thought about it. Like, we as a church should be teaching our kids. And I'm not, like, speaking against public schools. That's not the point here. But, like, we have a responsibility to teach our kids regardless of where they go to school. And yet we've handed that responsibility off to the world system. And now we're mad that they're teaching our kids things that we don't want our kids to know. But it was never the world's responsibility to teach our kids. It's ours. Raise up your children in the ways of the Lord. That's an instruction not to a government, but to a father and a mother. We have that responsibility. We can't get mad when the world is like unequally yoked. They are. They are. They're depraved in the mind. They're, you know, Paul said this in Philippians, he, or yeah, Philippians 3. He said, this one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. I press forward to what's ahead. I press forward to that high calling in Christ Jesus. That's the thing I'm pressing forward to. That's the thing I want God working in my life so that I can be progressing towards that and like just shaving off, just, just like working that double-edged sword in my life, working off all those things that would hinder me, all those weeds that would slow me down from that growth, right? It's not about what I can do really other than submitting. It's not about like how hard I can work at it other than getting on my knees and saying, God, like, I want your word to work in my life. Amen. Father, thank you for your word, God.